Every morning for thousands of years, Israel began the ritual slaughter of animals that continued throughout the day. A literal river of blood flowed off of the Temple Mount. Most of us understand that these sacrifices symbolize the death of Jesus, but thank God that we can join Jesus' declaration of victory by saying, it is finished. Welcome Bible nerds, I'm David Jesse. I believe that understanding the Bible in its historic, geographic, religious, and cultural context helps us see Jesus more clearly, love him more dearly, and follow him more nearly day by day. I'm not sure our minds can really grasp the level of death associated with Israel's sacrificial system. Welcome to Bible Nerds Daily. Thank you so much for listening. Every weekday, I share with you a verse of the day that is designed to help you become a better follower of Christ. If you are encouraged and challenged by this podcast, please share it with your family and your friends and then follow the show on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. Today, we're going to try to look at the sacrificial system of Israel through the eyes of Jesus. Verses we're looking at today are from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 12 through 14. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Would you have the chutzpah? to question God straight to his face. Well, that's the way the story of Genesis 15 begins. God shows up at Abram's tent to remind him of the promise made to him in Genesis 12. God promises that he will protect Abram and that he will bless him beyond all imagination. And then Abram basically tells God that it doesn't matter all that much because he has no heir to carry on the line anyway. But rather than condemning Abram, Yahweh lovingly understands his doubts and asks him to go on a walk with him. God tells Abram to count the stars above him, an impossible task. And then God promises Abram's descendants will be just as innumerable. But that's not enough for Abram. He boldly asks God to prove it to him. And so God does. God tells Abram to get five animals, a cow, a goat, a ram, a turtle dove, and a pigeon. And now the Bible doesn't tell us uh, that Abram is given any further instructions, but he seems to know exactly what God's thinking. Abram cuts the animals in half. He creates a path of blood between them. In doing this, Abram is preparing for an ancient covenant ceremony that is still practiced among the Bedouin culture of the Middle East today. Uh, this covenant ceremony involves both a greater and a lesser party. The greater party makes a series of promises to the lesser, and the lesser party agrees to follow certain practices as a result. And then the greater party walks through this path of blood between the animal halves, stomping in the blood the whole way. And in doing this, he's saying, if I fail to honor my part of this covenant, you may slay me like these animals and stomp through my blood. And then 
the lesser party repeats the act, making the same oath. So God's promise to Abraham was that all who bless him and his descendants would be blessed and all who cursed them would be cursed. And through Abraham's line, a descendant would come that would bless all of humanity. Abram's part is simple. Walk before God and be blameless. Be perfect. No sin, no errors, no mistakes. Genesis 15 says that Abram is overcome with a thick and dreadful darkness. Uh, this phrase is an ancient Hebrew idiom for someone becoming completely overcome with terror. And when Abram hears of his responsibility in the covenant, this is the only response he can have. He can't fulfill his end. And it's after this that God manifests into a smoking fire pot. Smoke is a common biblical metaphor for God. There's the pillar of cloud in Exodus 13. Uh, you have him on Mount Sinai in the smoke in Exodus 19. He's in the tent of meeting, Exodus 40. He's above the Ark of the Covenant, Leviticus 16, in the temple, 1 Kings 8 and 1 Chronicles 5. Isaiah's vision, Isaiah 6. Uh, and then in heaven at the judgment of mankind in Revelation 15. And as he declares... The future of the descendants of Abram, the smoking fire pot proceeds to pass between the pieces. But now it's Abraham's turn. It's early in the day. As has been the custom for centuries, a priest stands at the brazen altar with a knife pressed against the throat of a lamb. Another priest is waiting at the pinnacle of the temple with a ram's horn or a shofar pressed to his lips. A third priest is waiting in the temple courtyard watching a sundial. As the sundial indicates the specified moment in time, he signals the priest on the pinnacle. The shofar is blown and then the lamb is slain. The priest sprinkles the blood against the base of the altar as the people plead with God to be faithful to the covenant promise made to Abraham. And the day's worship begins. For the next six hours, animal after animal is sacrificed on that same altar. Sin offerings, trespass offerings, burnt offerings, peace offerings, meal offerings are offered again and again. Cows, rams, goats, turtle doves, pigeons. The same animals Abraham slaughtered to create that path of blood 1,800 years earlier are slain in the temple. And again, at the close of the day's worship, the sacrifice of the lamb is repeated. This sacrifice has been made ever since the Hebrews left Egypt as God commanded. In the tabernacle, while wandering in the wilderness, in Shiloh, in Jerusalem, in the glorious temple constructed by Solomon, in the temple rebuilt by Zerubbabel, in the beautifully renovated temple of Herod. And every day, a river of blood flows from the temple down into the Kidron Valley, reminding all of Israel of the path of blood that God passed through 1,800 years earlier, reminding them of God's promise to them. six hours. Jesus hung on the cross from morning till evening. 
as the people prepared to offer up cows and rams and goats and turtle doves and pigeons as sacrifices, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world was being nailed to a tree. Mark wrote his gospel to those in Rome, so he uses the Roman uh, reckoning of time. The third hour would be 9 a.m. And it was at this specific time for 1,200 years that the lamb was slain on the altar to begin the worship in God's house. The offering commenced. Jesus' blood was being shed. The blood from the altar also began to flow from the Temple Mount into the creek that ran through the Kidron Valley, water and blood. Abram realized that his life was over. There was absolutely no way he could honor his side of the covenant being made. God's promise was amazing, but God would be released from it the very first moment that Abram sinned. God had been clear. Abram was to be perfect before God. Abraham was 86 years old. He'd learned early on he couldn't go a day being blameless. And the very second that he dipped his toe in that path of blood, his fate would be sealed. It was only a matter of hours before he'd be judged. Genesis 15, 12 says that Abraham fell into a deep sleep, but it kind of misses the nuance of the language. It really means that Abraham passed out in fear. He had no chance. God was standing before him and Abraham understood immediately the gravity of the situation that he was in. Abraham knew He was expected to walk the path of blood, and he couldn't do it and live. We miss the point of the story. We know that God passed through the animal halves, but there is an important verse that reveals a lot more of the beauty of this story. Genesis 15, 17 says, When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. We've already looked at the smoking fire pot, but this verse reveals a second manifestation of the presence of God. In Hebraic religious writings, fire always symbolizes God. The burning bush in Exodus 3, the pillar of fire in Exodus 13, God descending in fire on Mount Sinai, Exodus 19, a consuming fire, Deuteronomy 4, the ancient of days clothed in fire, Daniel 7, the eternal Messiah, Revelation 119. And the fire of God crossed through the path of blood in Abraham's place. God broke the protocol of the covenant ceremony, and he declared to Abraham and to all who would read this story after, if you fail to honor your part of this covenant, you may slay me like these animals and stomp through my blood. And Jesus' fate, not Abram's, was sealed. Century after century thereafter, as the morning and the evening sacrifices signaled God's promise to keep his covenant, Jesus saw the blood flow. He heard the animals cry. He saw the fire on the altar and smelled the smoke rising to the heavens, and he thought about his future. He saw the picture of his own death. I like the way the message puts it in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 through 14. That is what is meant by this prophecy put in the mouth of Christ. You don't want sacrifices and offerings year after year. You've prepared a body for me for a sacrifice. It's not fragrance and smoke from the altar that whet your appetite. So I said, I'm here to do it your way, O God, the way it's described in your book. When he said, 
You don't want sacrifices and offerings. He was referring to practices according to the old plan. When he added, I'm here to do it your way, he set aside the first in order to enact the new plan, God's way, by which we are made fit for God by the once for all sacrifice of Jesus. Every priest goes to work at the altar each day and offers the same old sacrifices year in, year out, and never makes a dent in the sin problem. As a priest, Christ made a single sacrifice for sins. And that was it. Then he sat down right beside God and waited for his enemies to cave in. It was a perfect sacrifice by a perfect person to perfect some very imperfect people. By that single offering, he did everything that needed to be done for everyone who takes part in the purifying process. At 9 a.m. on the day of the cross, Jesus was nailed to his execution stake. At that very moment, the very morning sacrifices were beginning to take place. And then again, at 3 p.m., as the final sacrifice of the day was slain in the temple, Jesus cried out once and for all. It is finished. Listen to these words from the ancient hymn. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my riches gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ, my God, all the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet or thorns compose so rich a crown? Were the whole realm of nature mine? That were an offering far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Traditional biblical scholarship teaches that Jesus' divinity is described by the term Son of God, while his humanity is described by the term Son of Man. Jesus referred to himself as the Son of Man more than 70 times in the scriptures. John uses the term to describe the resurrected Messiah in the Revelation. What would the Hebrew mind have understood this title to mean? What was Jesus claiming when he called himself this? We'll look at that tomorrow. I told you that one of the foremost Orthodox Jewish scholars of our day believes that Jesus fits perfectly into the first century expectations of Judaism. Don't believe me? It's okay. Pick up the book, The Jewish Gospels, The Story of the Jewish Christ by Daniel Boyer-Rain. There's a link for it in the show notes. Make sure you check it out.
if this podcast is an encouragement to you and you want to pay it forward, please check out the ministry of One Child. One Child brings hope to hard places by helping children in extreme poverty. You can change a child's life. Check out the link in the show notes for more information. if I told you that in the New Testament, son of God is talking about Israel's earthly king and son of man is about the divine God coming to earth. That's tomorrow. But for now, go read your Bible.